You can compare what each gospel writer wrote about Jesus and his ministry in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January. It's titled, Jesus, A Study of the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. Jesus, A Study on the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, costs fourteen ninety nine. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, Jesus, A Study on the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? It is a shame that your people suffered. But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree? That's the trailer for the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. It is set in the Star Wars universe. It is bereft of any of your familiar Star Wars characters, the ones you've come to know through the movies, although there's a little character there that looks an awful lot like Yoda. It isn't Yoda. It's just called The Child, The Mandalorian. Why is this series from Disney Plus more popular sometimes with lifelong Star Wars fans than some of the recent movies that have been, well, attempting to keep that audience going? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going to be reviewing the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. Pastor Ted Geese joins us. He has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks. Why have so many Star Wars fans, and this is for some people a lifelong fandom, really not liked the last two movies, but really liked The Mandalorian? Well, I kind of avoided as much social media as possible around the show myself, so I don't know everything that everybody's written about, everything about it. But then I caved and I got Disney Plus and I was able to watch the whole thing. I can speak for myself, and I think that this kind of would probably fit into a lot of people who've been lifelong Star Wars fans, is that it sort of gets at kind of like an unfolding mystery, kind of a story where you don't know what's coming next. That, I think, is kind of entertaining for people. Also, it you know expands on this kind of criminal underbelly, I guess, of, of the Star Wars universe with the lead character of the Mandalorian, who is a bounty hunter. There are people who really like the character of Boba Fett from the original films. And, of course, that's a Mandalorian character, and this guy is kind of in that same ilk, so that's interesting. There's also this kind of pedigree that the, the uh, show has. One of the guys that's involved in the writing and the directing is this Dave Filoni, and he's been involved with Star Wars, with Lucasfilms, particularly with some of the animated series like Star Wars Rebels and the Star Wars Clone Wars. There's kind of a track record there. And then also the creator of the show, John Favreau, he's uh, got you know an interesting background himself. He tends to 
you know, do really well with uh, different films and TV shows. So there's, it's a safe pair of hands in terms of competency, as it were. I mean, we've talked about things that Jon Favreau has done before. He did The Lion King just this last year. That was maybe not so successful, but he did The Jungle Book, a live action film. He was the guy who did Iron Man in 2008 that kind of kicked off the modern MCU Marvel films. And then people would remember him from things like the Christmas movie Elf from 2003. So he tends to do really good work and then him being involved in it. And he's of the right age, like he was born, I think, in 1966 or something like that. So he was around for the first go-around for all of these Star Wars films, and it comes across that he was a fan, and then all of that comes across in the series. It, it just it has a look and a feel that is that that's more akin to those original Star Wars films, and I think that's a long answer to a short question, but I think that's kind of where people are probably are at with with this show. How much of it is also perhaps? at least behind the scenes, due to the fact that George Lucas, alongside John Favreau, was involved in writing this series. Well, this is great, too. It's He's got writing credits on all of the eight episodes. Having him to be somebody you can lean on is great. And this whole Mandalorian TV show, it falls right after Return of the Jedi, and it's in the years in between that and that uh, The Force Awakens film. So it's hot on the heels of the third of the original films, the story itself unfolding in that time period within the Star Wars storyline. It doesn't hurt to have one of the most adorable and at the same time mysterious new characters introduced, the so-called Baby Yoda, or I think Favreau has said, we just call him the child. Yeah, you know what? The internet loves Baby Yoda, <laughs> you know, move over Baby Shark. You know, this is this is the thing the internet really loves right now. He's a, a meme gold mine. And the other thing that was great about the show is that they really did a good job of keeping the mystery of what the show was going to be about and what the show was going to be like uh, right up to when the show dropped on Disney+. Plus. So people didn't even know that that was going to be in there. So it was a legitimate surprise for people. And then as the show unfolded, like you don't know that that was going to be like that, that character of baby Yoda and him taking care of this, this asset that turns out to be this child that he, he wants to protect the Mandalorian does that that would be the main thing about the whole show. Like you didn't know that that was what it was going to be about for all eight episodes. And presumably now, cause they've kind of hinted at where things are going to go in the second season, where it's all going. So that really was a surprise. And I think people liked that surprise. It was a surprise that they, and it, it generates questions like, because the character of Yoda from the original, actually pretty much all of the films at some point he shows up or most of them, you know, he's kind of a mysterious character. There's not a lot known about that kind of alien and all the rest of it. So it's interesting. And, and part of the next season, we're going to spoil things, by the way, part of the next season is he's kind of tasked the Mandalorian with, trying to get the, the child back to his home planet. So that's going to be part of the story. So that'll be interesting too. All right. You said it's set in post Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Post Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Return Empire of the Jedi. Strike, yeah. It is off the rails of the ordinary Star Wars character lines. It's right. Yeah. All new characters. And yet the settings are all very familiar. The technology is all 
very familiar. Is that also part of what has appealed to people that they're getting fresh stuff? Yeah, you know, and it's also very, it's smart in that they know their audience. Actually, this is this is probably something that endears them to the the core Star Wars fans, is that it seems to actually know their audience, which it seems somehow some of these newer films, they're kind of trying to expand the audience or trying to get a larger audience in under the tent. But this is really even more so like, understanding its audience itself so for instance you're talking about like the vehicles and the production design and even some of the planets like tatooine and stuff like that these these are familiar characters of their own in a way as part of the whole package of this show but they'll even put in things that were never in any of the films but were like a toy that kids might have had when they were a kid so there's this imperial troop transport toy that then they, they actually realize as a part of this live action show. So this is something where they're, they're really kind of, and, and if you didn't know, like, let's say you, you weren't old enough to have the toys or something like that, or you're, you're a young kid that's kind of come to this now if, for you, it's all just neat and it's new, but for the older viewers, it also, it's hitting on a nostalgia button that in a good way, I mean, sometimes nostalgia lately has been trite and not really well done. In this case, it, it seems to be firing on all cylinders and, and working in a, in a good way where it's, it's solid for the whole audience, but it's also just kind of pointing over here and saying, hey, look at this to those who have been along for the ride the whole time. The one thing I found most fascinating, at least in the first episode, was how long you could watch this thing with no dialogue yeah it was all exposition mm -hmm. but no one was telling you what was going on they were showing you what was going on and i thought that was a brilliant move for this solitary figure by the way whose face you never see until one brief glimpse in the last episode i believe who's yeah. as big a mystery as anything else in the thing well pedro pascal who plays the character of the mandalorian he does a really wonderful job in that he's able to convey a lot of information without speaking because he's kind of a man of few words. I mean, he does talk and he has dialogue, but more often than not, he's not talking. And then also he's, you don't see his face because he has his helmet on the whole time. And we'll talk more about the helmet, I'm sure. But this is, you know, a lot is getting told just visually. It's almost in a, in a way, it's kind of kind of like a comic book in a way in that a lot of times the visuals in comic book are telling you a lot more than the, the little speech bubbles and, and things like that. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. When we come back, what is a Mandalorian? You can compare what each gospel writer wrote about Jesus and his ministry in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January. It's titled, Jesus, A Study of the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. Jesus, A Study on the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, costs fourteen ninety nine. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, Jesus, A Study on the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we'll study Jesus anointed by Mary. The triumphal entry, Jesus' response to the Greeks who wanted to see him. Jesus fulfills the prophets, and Jesus shines his light in our darkness. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, as we continue our walk through St. John's Gospel on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily verse-by-verse Bible study on demand at thewordendures.org and on the Lutheran Public Radio app. Concordia University Chicago is a distinctive, comprehensive university of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We're committed to increasing LCMS faculty and staff members. Hi, this is Dr. Russell Don, president of Concordia University Chicago. If you're a member of our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod congregation, please consider joining our staff. And if you have a terminal degree, please consider joining our faculty. Send us an email at human.resources at cuchicago.edu. We're reviewing the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. He teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. What is a Mandalorian, Pastor Geese? Well, if you've seen it, I, I think along the way, I don't even think that Boba Fett was referred to as a Mandalorian in those original films, but alongside all of that in the comic books and books and things like that, then all of a sudden it was said, well, this guy's a Mandalorian. But then there was also kind of a mysterious thing. And eventually, you know, that some of these um, TV like cartoons that they've had, like the Star Wars Rebels and the, the Clone Wars ones, they kind of started to flesh it out a little bit more. And this idea that there's this home world of Mandalore and there's, there are these fierce warriors. And of course, the Clone War film, Attack of the Clones the, in the prequels, that whole clone army that becomes the stormtrooper army eventually, or the underpinnings of it, were all based on clones of a Mandalorian. And it seems like they have a, a religion of their own. And what you discover in this show is that it's not necessarily like you can be a Mandalorian without being from Mandalore, like the planet, that it's, it, it's a way, it's a creed, it's a, a religion. So that this is part of what the Mandalorian is, I think for Christian viewers and other people who are watching the film, I think this is an interesting thing because you are presented with a, the central character who has a personal creed that they are living by, like a, basically a confession of faith, a faith that they're living by. And then they also have this vocation. In this case, he's a bounty hunter. And he ends up in a position where his personal creed and his vocational duties conflict with each other. And that creates great tension within the story and great drama to propel everything forward. And of course you're learning about what it is to be a Mandalorian along the way, because they don't just, they don't sit down and just like, here's the whole thing. They, they dole it out little bit by little bit. And you start to realize things like, his particular kind of brand of Mandalorian belief or whatever doesn't allow him to take off his helmet. That if he takes off his helmet, then that's it. Like he's broken the creed to the point where he can't continue on kind of a thing. And that's kind of an interesting thing. So there's tension, you know, like, will he take his helmet off? Will he not take his helmet off? And it becomes part of him keeping his 
religious beliefs. And even at one point in one one of the episodes of the show, he says, you know, you got to get rid of your weapons. And he says, no, my, my weapons are part of my religion, he says. And it's not a, a joke sort of a thing. It's the truth. That's what part of his, it's kind of like a warrior monk kind of existence that he has. Maybe that helps kind of flesh out. What did you think about him as like this Mandalorian kind of character? Well, I was intrigued, but probably more so because he doesn't come out and say what the conflict is. They, right. It's brilliantly written, if, if you ask me. They never come out and say, oh, I'm supposed to deliver this baby for money, and I don't want to do that, and this goes against everything, the entire code I live by or the creed that I live by. They just, by the way that they let the, the plot unfold, you realize this guy is deeply conflicted, and he is going to basically ostracize himself from his own upbringing and religion to do what he believes is right. Yeah, and the other thing that's interesting is that he himself, and like we talked about how it's, they even talk about, like there's a, a spot in the last episode where it said Mandalorian isn't a race, the Mandalorian, it's a creed, so it's, a, it's like a belief system. And it's an interesting thing because he is going to try to keep this, and then he himself was adopted, essentially, into the Mandalorians. He was rescued as a, like a vulnerable child and raised up in, in this belief system. And then basically he said that he was raised with the fighting corps. And when he became of age, he swore the creed. So then he's, he's got this child and he himself is sees maybe himself in that child in that he was rescued as a child from people who wanted him dead. In that case, droids that wanted him dead. So then he himself sees himself in the child and he wants to protect the child too. So this is a, I think it's kind of a fascinating thing. And you're right. The way that it unfolds and lets you piece it together is a, it's a really, you know, a mark of good writing. The other thing that I found intriguing about this, and I wonder what you think, Ted, is that the force is a plot element here, but yes. everybody isn't yapping about it all the time like they have been <laughs> in the last three movies. Yeah. And it also appears to be kind of a mysterious thing that not everybody knows about. It also doesn't appear to be the all-powerful thing that can where you can communicate with people from across the galaxy. It's kind of back to just a power, kind of the way it was maybe in the first film or so. And again, I think this hits on, you know, why like the core Star Wars audience really like appreciates this approach. And it also kind of leads, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment too. If you think of like the whole unfolding narrative of all of these Star Wars things, you think of like something like the, those first original films, people would probably know who Luke Skywalker was, but did they really know the, the extent to what he was up to when it came to all of this Jedi stuff? He would be a hero for blowing up the Death Star and all the rest of it, but do they know all of that stuff? So in a way, it kind of presents this kind of world in which it's more like the a, a lot of the people around, like the Baby Yoda character who, who uses the Force, they're more like Han Solo from the original trilogy, that they're like, you know, hokey religions and, you know, they're not as good as a blaster by your side kind of thing. So they don't understand the force. It's not really something they think about. It's not part of their world. It's not part of their daily life. 
and you know maybe they've heard things about it maybe but they don't really know anything about it. like that is kind of the world in which this is taking place and that's interesting and the other thing with like what you're talking about everybody yapping about it i think the force works best within the story the narrative of this star wars franchise works best when people say less about it like as soon as you bring up like metachlorines and all of these other kind of things it starts to be less potent in terms of something you want to use in your storytelling there's a scene and again this is a spoiler for those who haven't seen the first season there's a scene that i thought was brilliantly executed it's in the last episode i believe is that the one that takes place where he's encountering a bunch of his old nemesises and they're on a prison ship am i right there ted is yeah that the I last think that's episode? episode seven okay episode seven yeah and for lack of a better word i'll just say baby yoda i know it's not baby yoda He's in his little protective chamber on the Mandalorian's ship. The Mandalorian ship is being piloted by this kind of really intriguing droid. I, yeah. I hope they bring him back or someone like him back. And the droid comes down and is apparently going to do Baby Yoda some harm. And Baby Yoda puts out his little Yoda hand and he closes his eyes and he's going to do something, force, you know, lightning or something on this. And... The robot, there's an explosion, the robot falls over, and you realize Baby Yoda didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> the Mandalorian shot him. Yeah, yeah. And Baby Yoda looks at his hand like, what the heck did I do? Because he didn't <laughs> expect it. And I thought that was that said more about that little character and the use of the Force, he's the only one using the Force here, Yeah. than anything else. It was a brilliant moment. Yeah, and you know, like he's... Uh, like growing into this himself like they they refer to him as the child and and the the misdirect in the first episode is that when the mandalorian is given the details about the asset that he's going to pick up he's told that it's 55 years old so then of course you don't expect to have a little baby that's the misdirect right but again like the character of yoda is one that's been like you know he was 900 and some years old so the idea that they're just very slow in growing is part of the character of this baby yoda and the fact that these two characters kind of fall into this symbiotic relationship where the one is saving the other and the other one is saving the other they're they're saving each other and that's where it it kind of fits into this mandalorian code or the the creed that he has in that because this little child is kind of in the heat of danger has protected him then he needs to protect the child and that's kind of like the basis of their relationship in a way. But the child still needs to be nurtured and taken care of and protected as well. And that, that's this kind of wonderful relationship. And that scene that you're talking about is a great moment where, you know, you see this happening. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. We'll talk about a couple of the droid characters next. What is The Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's a monthly magazine on faith and life, theology and culture that helps readers interpret the contemporary world from a Lutheran Christian perspective. Filled with expert insights, good writing, and inspiring stories, it also provides essential church information for LCMS members. What is The Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's the flagship periodical of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and it has been for more than a century. 
Visit cph.org witness to subscribe today. Looking for a foreign language program that will revolutionize your students' vocabulary knowledge and their understanding of grammar? How about a program that teaches critical thinking skills, too? Look no further than Memoria Press's Latin curriculum. Students of all ages can use these Latin study programs. Give your students the gift of Latin today. To order, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next order by using the coupon code LPR20. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Education and edification. You're listening to Issues Etc. I'm delighted to be chairman of Preach the Word Project, a project of our synod to strengthen the preaching of all of us pastors in the synod. We know how eternally important that is. Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Carl Fikencher talking about the new Preach the Word Project. So we've put together a program of 12 modules that will be coming out this year and over the next three years on a variety of preaching topics for pastors to do together with two other pastors, two guys they trust, two guys they feel comfortable with, written materials and very fine video quality materials that are now becoming available. Preach the Word helps pastors work together to improve their preaching with several resources and by interacting with seminary professors and fellow preachers. Find out more at lcms.org slash preach the word. lcms.org slash preach the word. Preaching is challenging business. We all can use some fresh ideas. lcms.org slash preach the word. We are reviewing the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. Auto loans, personal loans, credit cards, refinancing, mortgages, checking, and savings accounts. These are services offered by Lutheran Federal Credit Union. Check them out at lutheranfcu.org. Serving the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod community, lutheranfcu.org. Ted, let's turn to some of the droid characters, and there were two of them in the Mandalorian episodes that kind of revived my 13-year-old interest, kind of took me back to those days when I first saw these characters on the big screen. The first one is kind of a gunslinger, and he just consists of a head and arms with blasters on them, but I really came to like this character. Why is that? Well, IG-11 is the one in this TV show, and in the Empire Strikes Back, there's an IG unit, an IG-88, that's just standing in the background with this kind of like rogues gallery or motley crew of bounty hunters where Boba Fett was one of them. And you don't see him do anything. He's just kind of almost like practically just like a prop. And then in some of the side things, there's like books and stuff like in the, you know, where there's backstories for this robot. But here's the first time you get to see that droid in action, right? And you're right. He's like spinning around, shooting things. There's this kind of accuracy, like droid-like accuracy to the, to the fighting. And it's, it's really fascinating. And then the, the voice actor is, is that uh, Watiti guy who, who also did Thor Ragnarok, and he's a director, and he does voice work. And he does a really great job with, with the voice of this, this droid. And then through the course of the show, the, the, the killer assassin droid gets reprogrammed by this you know, friendly Ugnaught and is turned into basically a wet nurse who also is going to protect the child to death. 
like unto his own death. He he would spare his droid life to save the child, and that actually is what ends up happening in the end. But there's this the the character of the Mandalorian is distrustful of droids because he was a child during the the Clone Wars and he was almost killed by droids, so he doesn't trust them. So he has to get to the point where he would trust this droid. And that happens in the last episode, which is really a kind of an interesting moment for him as a character, for the Mandalorian as a character. And then the fact that this droid is willing to self-detonate to protect the child and let them escape. You know, that's a great moment of self-sacrifice. And, you know, as a Christian, that's something that should make us sit up and take notice. You know, there's a couple things that are interesting within the within the show in terms of like the way a Christian would interact with what they're seeing. The other droid that I found fascinating was in that seventh episode. And he's a bad guy. He's, mm-hmm. he has like, he's malevolent and never seen that before that I know. of. Yeah. Just really dangerous, right? Like he's a, he's a dangerous robot. And I mean, even when this IG 11, the one that we're talking about, like in the first episodes where you first run into him, he's to the point he's he's getting his job done he has his programming he's he's an assassin he's he's been tasked with killing that asset the child but he's he's not malevolent like you're talking about he's not like he doesn't come off as evil he comes off as efficient but the other droid the one you're talking about who's like the designation i've lost track of in my mind but that one is you're right he's he's mercenary and he's dangerous and so it it really kind of boils down to i guess in, in the course of all of these things is with these characters is that like the droids are the way the droids are because of how they're programmed. So if an evil person programs a droid to be evil, the the droid will be evil, but you could take such a droid and you could reprogram it to be good and it would be good. And that's what we see with that character of IG 11. So talk about the two catchphrases that have emerged here with a couple minutes left. The one comes early in the series and the other is more embedded throughout the entire series. The character that you mentioned just a moment ago, Ugnaught, that is the Mandalorian's first ally, great character, but his phrase is, I have spoken. Yeah. What does that mean? He'll, he'll say something and then like the Mandalorian will try to convince him of something else and he'll say, I've spoken. <laughs> like that's, that's it. The thing I said is the thing I said. And to me, when I was watching the show, like it made me think of that passage from James chapter five, where we have uh, James writes, above all, my brothers do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. And that's like that character to a T. Like he says what he means and he means what he says. And he's not going to renege or change on that. He, he really is true to his word. And I think that that's something that's very interesting. And these two catchphrases, the I have spoken, which shows up in all sorts of memes. And then this is the way, which is kind of like, amen for the Mandalorians, they'll say something and they'll say, this is the way those two. It's interesting. Like you got a brand new, big splashy star Wars film with the rise of Skywalker. And there's really no quotable quotes from the movie that people are actually have any desire to quote, but with the Mandalorian, you get, you know, I've spoken and this is the way and baby Yoda. Like these are the things that are like capturing the internet's social media's uh, attention. So that's interesting. We've kind of been talking about the whole Mandalorian thing in terms of that it's a it's not not a, a race, but it's a creed. And I think that in terms of 
Christians viewing it, you think to yourself, you know, like it should conjure up ideas of like a confession of faith that we are, that as Christians, we, we have our creeds, we have what we believe, we hold things in um, high regard, you know, from like the doctrines of our, of the, of the faith and that we don't want to waver from those things. We want to conform to the way. And then of course, Christ says, I'm the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the father except through me. So these things kind of start to like, kind of float around the back of your head as you're watching that. I think as a Christian, they, they should be kind of rather obvious that there is a, a way of life that we want to lead as Christians in the world. And that also includes things like taking care of your neighbor and you know, the character of the Mandalorian while a bounty hunter and dangerous uh, in a lot of ways is working very hard at personal expense to take care of his neighbor that's in need. And I think that's something that would be interesting to Christian viewers as well. So finally, Ted, just in terms of production, they made a great move in not CGIing the child. They CGI everything else practically, but the child is a very sophisticated, played by a very sophisticated puppet, and somehow it communicates real, quote unquote, humanity. Was that probably the most brilliant move they made in putting together the Mandalorian? Well, I think that uh, at this point, when you get to things like the, all of Marvel movies and you know the Star Wars films, they have the tools at their disposal to do CGI, all sorts of CGI-related things. And when J.J. Abrams got involved with The Force Awakens, he wanted to bring back some of the practical effects stuff. And it's really great to see Jon Favreau also doing that with this character. And there is something concrete to it. And it's uh, also just in the last year, they had this uh, Dark Crystal TV show, which was all puppets as well with some CGI. But there's a place for puppetry and puppetry can be very sophisticated. And it is in this case, Werner Herzog, the director who also played character of the client, this kind of fallen um, imperial officer kind of character who was trying to get the child in the first episodes and along the way. You know, he, he's, you know, there's been stories and stories about how he was very encouraging to the directors and to John Favreau, the creator of the show, to not use CGI and to encourage them that they're making the right choice about this uh, puppet for the, uh, the character of Baby Yoda or the child. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, and you're right, there's a lot of um, uh, humanity and emotion and stuff. And people pick up on this and that's why there's so many memes of this character out there being used for all sorts of things to kind of get across feelings and emotions that people have in their daily life. Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. He teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, titled Christianity, Fine Art, and the Movies, A Lutheran Approach to Media Consumption. Ted, thanks. Thank you. Tomorrow on Issues Etc., we'll begin a series with Dr. Gene Edward Veith, On a Lutheran response to post-Christian culture, we'll discuss a new Supreme Court case involving the Little Sisters of the Poor and the Health and Human Services mandate. Our guest will be attorney Diana Verm of the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, and we'll discuss word faith teaching, Rhema versus Logos, with Chris Rosebro. We'll also play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc.
Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Hey, Todd, what have our listeners noticed first when visiting the LPR studios? Definitely the small size and the dirt. Well, not anymore. Thanks to our friends at the Cleaning Authority. They've turned this man cave into a space that meets even our wives' approval. Whether it's our office or your home, the Cleaning Authority is your cleaning service provider in the St. Louis area. To schedule a free estimate or to find out more, visit thecleaningauthority.com. Thecleaningauthority.com. St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood, Missouri is a proud sponsor of Issues Etc. And if you enjoy the relevant, Christ-centered teachings presented on this program, then you should come and join us at St. Paul's on Sundays at 9 a.m., where you will hear sermons that proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins and enjoy in-depth Bible studies to help us grow as disciples. For more information, check us out at stpaullutheranwildwood.org.